Today, I'm looking forward so much to Linda speaking. I notice how crowded the class is, Linda. And I think uh, that Linda has been an inspiration to all of us. I mean, she has faced her, her issues and her opportunities with such grace and such uh, positive thinking. I'm looking forward to hearing your story, Linda. And here you go. Good morning, all of you. Now, I have to get my script up here, and I am going to read from it because I'm not a public speaker. And I'm doing this because my mouth tends to go off when my brain does not leave. <laughs> and I have to go to choir. So, <clears throat> this says, I just read this yesterday from the Costco magazine, projecting confidence, keep your head level, ain't going to happen. <laughs> Speak with optimal volume, not a problem. Hold eye contact for three to five seconds. Well, maybe, maybe not. Keep your hands in the gesture box. That's why I have this box up here. And avoid using speech fillers or up talk. I don't know what that is, so <laughs> no problem. The last time I was up here, I was leading. I was leading you all in song, and it was just before I went into chemotherapy for the first time. And some of you all had the temerity to cry in front of me, so. You know, I just wanted to stop and say I'm not dead yet. <laughs> but I was almost crying too. So, and I couldn't get those words out. Thank you for walking this, this walk with me. And I think the song that we were singing there the first day, that, that, that last day, was this is the day, so I want you all to sing with me, smiling this time. Stand up. Praise God. she wanted me to say, I said no, that if there was something that she left out, I would put it in. <laughs> there are some of you all who don't know me, and that might be to your betterment, but uh, Albert and I are on our second time members of the Roswell United Methodist Church. We joined the first time in 1969 after moving here in 1968. And there were 400 members of this church. And the church grew and the church grew. And look where it is today. And we've been fortunate enough to be part of that 
And until I had moved to Texas, I was Lynn Adcock before Lynn Adcock was Lynn Adcock. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like for me to say it, but I, I'm going to tell you anyway, I taught Lynn Adcock everything she knows. That would be <laughs> started back in 1943 on January the 11th. Roger knows that day well, too. We were born on the same day. Not the same year, though. I didn't say a word. <laughs> <laughs> My parents I married an older man. <laughs> I have no control. <laughs> My parents were Christians, and they raised me as a Christian. Most years, my mother despaired of ever making me a lady, much less a Christian lady. But I have never, ever felt apart from God. Most of you realize that much of my thoughtful time is spent with my head in the clouds. No real thought process, no real conclusions, no real anything. There again, my mother despaired of ever bringing me down to the real world. But somehow my feet have always remained on the ground, the same way I've always had God at my side. So let's skip ahead a few years to April of 1961 at the University of Tennessee where I was a freshman. There was a time I vividly remember when God spoke to me. I was at the Wesley Foundation. Any of you all who are not Methodist, that is the Methodist Church on campuses. It was after a service and a Bible discussion. And the discussion was whether or not the Bible was real. I said my two cents worth of that, it being the word of God, it was hooted down. That was my first real experience with intellectual minds that questioned either the traditional thought or conventional wisdom. I don't think any minds were changed at that point in time, but there were several of us disturbed by the discussion. Who would ever dispute that the Bible was not given us to God? It was my first bout with this thought. During my walk home, with nobody around, dark, lonely, the voice came to me loud and clear. Your belief is true. Keep believing. I was scared and ran up to my dorm room, and that's pretty much the last time I thought about that until 1966 when Albert and I were talking about marriage and talking about what church we might go to if we were to get married and discussing being called to join the church. So I think maybe that was my call, except I was already a member of a church, one that I had voluntarily joined at age 16 that my parents were not members of. I had chosen that church. 
And so I'm not still not real sure what that was, except God speaking to me and giving me the, the comfort that he was always there. Okay, now let's skip ahead a few years to June of 1969. Albert and I had moved to our first house in Roswell the year before. We went to Emory Clinic to give birth and bring home our first child. We didn't get to bring him home. He was still born with many defects. They asked us to donate his body for research and we each one separately, immediately, said yes. Anything to help keep that from happening to anybody else again. It was a very hard time for us and our families. It was the first, our first child, the first grandchild on both sides. And it, he was happily awaited. And then there was nothing. We cried and held on to each other and tried to make a normal life, but nothing would ever really be normal again. Bill Floyd was the minister here then. He's the minister emeritus now of our church. If you don't know him, you're new to the church. To get to know him, oh, he's great and fun to be with. He was the minister, and he came to see us several times to talk and let us know the church cared, he cared, and most of all, God cared. It was my first experience in letting go and letting God. I could not handle my grief in empty arms or help Albert in his grief without giving it all to God. He healed us, although sometimes we leak a little bit. And as you know, we have we have two beautiful girls and four wonderful grandchildren. God gave us great joy after that pain. Okay, now skip ahead to June of 2011. And you all have been with me on this journey and with me to the end. On our younger daughter's 37th birthday, the doctor in a routine examination said he felt a hard mass and I needed to have a CT scan. That started another time when I not only had to rely solely on God, but I had to rely on other people, especially poor Albert. It was hard to learn to share responsibility with my husband and almost impossible to share responsibility with other people because I'm an only child and from the time I was a little one, mother impressed upon me the fact that I had no one that I could depend on. I could depend on only myself. Now I would be putting, put into a position needing help for every part of my life and hoping and praying that I would still have that life. The diagnosis was low mild sarcoma. It's a rare cancer attached to a smooth wall muscle, and all of you have had biology and know that the smooth wall muscle is an involuntary muscle. In other words, I can't tell it to do anything. It just does its work. It was in the abdomen. We had no, had no clue where it was attached. Albert went running to the internet to figure out what it was. It was scary. Where to get treatment? Our first oncologist came into the room after 45 minutes of us waiting in the room and said it was a different animal and she didn't treat it. <laughs> Gee, thanks. She said that the tumor was huge and she wanted to recommend the best possible surgeon 
and the best possible oncologist who specialized in treating sarcomas. And that is how we came to Emory Winship Cancer Center and met Dr. Natalyn Hawk. The doctors all call her Natty. Cute little woman, this tall, this much gray hair. <laughs> and Dr. Keith Delman, the surgeon. Emory is one of only three centers in the United States that has a specialist in sarcomas. Luckily, it was only 40-some miles away from our home. The others were in Houston and New York City. The treatment was a series of six five-day stays in the hospital, with two chemotherapies being fed to me intravenously, 24 hours a day for four days. The fifth day, they were going to pump me back up to go home. Now, most of you all have been in the hospital or been with someone in the hospital and know it's pretty noisy and with someone coming in and out all of the time. In fact, at Emory, they give you a card and say, we promise to come see you at least every two hours. <laughs> on the weekend, they give you a break and come in only every four hours. But there's still times that the hospital is the loneliest place in the world. There were nights that I just sat up in bed and existed. Yes, I planned my funeral, coming up with about 50 hymns for the congregation to sing <laughs> and 20 anthems for the choir to sing. And yes, I tried to distribute my good pieces of jewelry to my daughters and granddaughter. Oh, don't forget the grandsons who might want one of the diamonds to use for an engagement ring. I gave up on those chores. There was, there was no answer. Prayer wouldn't come, although one time I just prayed, oh God. Those are the times when other prayers hold you up. There is no question that prayers were said for us 24 hours a day. I just felt them, especially in those dark times when I could not pray. So never, ever feel like your prayers are not needed because there are a lot of people praying. Because you never know if the exact time you're praying is the exact time that person needs your prayer. Never, ever don't pray. Now I need you. <laughs> <laughs> Although there were many of the great hymns of the church that came to mind, there was one that pounded, literally pounded out all the rest of them. And I had to come home after each chemotherapy and try to make sure that I knew all the words. And I hope you do, because I want you to sing and stay seated. But it's to God be the glory, not the Andrew Couch one, but to God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Hear his voice, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let 
You're doing real good. <laughs> there are no words to tell how awed, awed we are by the nursing staff there at Emory. They are angels who are ever patient and all-seeing. As with any strong drugs, there are bad side effects. You all know about the nausea, the loss of hair, loss of appetite, taste of the chemo that overpowers any other taste. Chemo brain, you have no idea how I had to use the thesaurus to write this. <laughs> Simple as it is. Weakness and loss of immunity, problems with your blood system. We were also to learn that one of these two chemos could weaken my heart and the other one could shut down my bladder. There's medicine to coat the bladder, but nothing to protect the heart. The two chemos could also affect breathing, a really bad thing for an asthmatic patient, as I am, and brain function, which we already know I have trouble with. <laughs> as in one day when the information is written on the board, I could not give the correct day of the week. Even though they said it's up there, I couldn't, it couldn't comprehend it. Because of these two side effects, oh, and one time, when the night nurse came in and said, you're not breathing, I'm going to give you oxygen. I don't need oxygen. Next thing I know, she was slapping the oxygen on me. Because of these two things, each of the chemos was reduced by a fourth. And I'm going, I failed. <laughs> <laughs> Only later, after everything was over, did the oncologist tell us that they didn't think I'd last past two chemotherapies, given my age and my lack of physical condition. <laughs> <laughs> but these side effects were noticed by the nursing staff in time to correct them. And I can't tell you everything else they did. They're just angels of God. I still was pretty much of a wreck. The first three or four days at home, I needed to be weighed on hand and foot. Again, the independence, oh, gee. God's help, God's people heeding his call to feed the hungry and visit the sick came to take care of me. The support system headed by our family in this church carried us through those rough times with food. That usually came in a sack like this for the two of us. <laughs> Cards. Wow. Oh. Oh. Emails. I didn't print out the emails I should have. Now, half of these pretty much came from you, and half pretty much came from the choir. My two sets of angels in this. I did something. I'm sorry. Babysitters. Yeah, I needed babysitters. And prayers. Each daughter came from Texas once to help out at the hospital, after the hospital. Each of Albert's three sisters came once. And my longest time friend, my almost sister Trudy, came once. How did God work it out that in our family, we had six people who would care for us after, in, after hospital care when we needed exactly six people. 
And how did God know we would need nine months of food? <laughs> nine months. Between you and the choir, Albert had plenty to fix meals. He lost no weight. <laughs> there were even some things I looked forward to having, a few things. That was mostly chocolate shakes out of the freezer, but then <laughs> chocolate always wins in our house. There's still chili and soup left in the freezer, and it's time to get those out and enjoy them and remember the love that came with them. And there's still a honey-baked ham. I need to have a party and share that with friends. The other blessing of this stupid disease and consequence of the treatment is the babysitting I received. In order for Albert to consider his work schedule, I had to have babysitters. Talk about coming a far piece from the independence I was raised to have, but then everyone was so much fun to be with. I found out things about your lives that are so interesting, and I feel closer to each one of you now. Visiting the sick is very well done in this class. So now we jump ahead to January of this year. The surgeon prescribed radiation to sterilize the areas around the tumor to help contain those evil cells. Now one of the side effects of radiation is a debilitating effect, uh, debilitating fatigue. So much for the confidence people. There were offers to drive me to radiation. That's 42 miles from our house in southeast Tennessee, as Jeff Diamond likes to call it to Emory at Clifton Road. Luckily, there's a radiation clinic at Northside Hospital in Canton, 4.2 miles away. The, door, the Lord does love his tents, doesn't he, from 42 to 4.2. One dear friend offered to drive me every day, no matter what the time, even though she is, like I am, not a morning person. We were both relieved when I was able to complete the six-week treatment plan without help. And now we jump ahead to the last round of treatment, surgery. I can't remember all of the things the surgeon said he would have to do to remove the tumor. You already know I lost the right kidney, had to have two bowel resections. But I do remember he'd also told us they might have to take two or three sections of the liver, possibly the bladder, plus the vena cava. If they had to take the vena cava, that's the big vein that brings all of your blood back from your lower portions. I would have the elephant legs that come with lack of circulation and that a nerve might be damaged that would leave me with a numb leg and a bad foot. As you know, we had the best possible outcome. Albert says the surgeon had a huge smile on his face and told him the surgery not only went well, but he had told his babysitter to plan to remain at least until 7 o'clock, and it was just after 2 o'clock when they started to close. Friends, I call that the power of prayer. Again, never doubt that your prayer sent up at any time, in any number of words or lack thereof, is not needed. The Lord loves to answer our prayers. This whole odyssey we were on proves that. Again, the support system came through for us. And one of those is our daughter, the physical therapist. And she came and taught me how to get up out of bed. She taught us how to, for Linda to take a shower. Went to bed, didn't wake up in time to give me a shower. We had already done it by that time. She says, how did you know what to do? And Albert said, you told us we're not 
dummies. <laughs> In this class, there's a core of nurses that said, call us when you need us, we'll come. We called, they came. There are other examples of kindnesses shown by God's people. A clean house, flowers, hats for my bald, cold head, help in assembling a wardrobe for a trip that had been planned and paid for a year in advance. I've never had a personal stylist before. <laughs> help in packing for that trip, rides to the airport and home, cards sent every couple of weeks from your UC class, written by a fellow cancer survivor. And of course, the ever-present offerings of food. And by this time, I could taste your wonderful food and talk about a blessing. Now we jump to the present. Those rare pesky sarcomas always come back, usually in the lungs. But I've had two rounds of CT scans and MRIs since the surgery, and all are clear. If we make it through the first two years after the end of chemo, they will scan only scan yearly and I will probably be checked closely throughout the rest of my life. So the next time it comes back, it's just a little bitty thing, and they can go on the laparoscopic thing and get it out. Did God answer our prayers for good and wise medical care? Yes. Emory takes good care of its patients. John, you may be able to tell them too. But I have been hand-carried from one specialist to another, seamlessly and lovingly. And our medical insurance even without Barack Obama, has provided the financial <laughs> has provided the financial means. Even though Emory's not on the list of primary care doctors, most of all, you and the choir and this church, including Nancy Lane and her committee, Mike Long and Harvey West. I never was in the hospital without a visit from at least two of those and daily calls from the committee when they couldn't come. In early February, before all of this started, I was holding my newborn grandson in my arms, just the two of us, somewhere in the middle of the night. I was on night duty. And I looked at him and I said, I hope I get to come to your high school graduation. Why did I think that? I have no clue. But now I know God was preparing me for this, even though I didn't understand it then. Of course, I always also added the years up and I would be 85. <laughs> you know. But as Malone says, I'm not getting a busload up yet. As it has from the very beginning, a peace has reigned in my soul about the outcome of this journey. I lived and I celebrate life. But if I had died, I would have gotten on the bus excited about another journey, knowing that the wonderful destination ahead of me was heaven. Each day has been a great day, one filled with time with Albert, who's been rock steady throughout this journey. Time to sing in my choirs, time to pray for those in need, and time to hear the birds singing outside my house in the bushes that my husband has planted. And time... to wear my Team Mimi t-shirt with my name on the back. Last Christmas, my girls got together and decided this would be a good thing. And so everyone except the newest grandson 
has his or her own shirt with Team Mimi on the front and their names on the back. Again, they've been rock solid through all this too. Each anniversary will be sweeter. Each milestone my grandchildren pass will be celebrated and enjoyed. And each milestone will remind me of the blessings of God's loving people and the power of prayer. And more importantly, it will remind me of the love of God that sends us blessings and promises me eternal life with him by his mercy and the sacrifice of his only son, Jesus. He has been there from the very beginning and has stayed constantly by my side. Virginia, I need you. <laughs> Told you we were going to sing. The last song, we usually sing at Easter time. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Oops. I moved the words. I better have words. In the world today. I know that he's living whatever foes may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice and cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. Sing with me. the Bible verse this week thinking of my covenant group and actually the one I had before that George was better than this one for today so it'll come up next week but I was just thinking of the love of friends and how close you can be with friends and according to Hallie this is one of the most wonderful love friendship stories in the whole world or in literature of David and Jonathan so our Bible verse today in fact kind of feel closer to her than some because you know we've got the same name. But uh, anyway, Jonathan's unselfish devotion to David formed one of the noblest stories of friendship in history. And I really chose this because we call ourselves the Soul Sisters in our Tuesday group. Soul meaning being a part, part of the human being that thinks, feels, and makes the body act. A Soul Sister is a person who chooses to belong to our Tuesday group because though that covenant relationship is to think and feel and act as a sister and dear friend and it's to help each other bring in to study and maintain our faith as well as strengthen each other. Now Jim's definition of a friend is somebody 
that you can just call and say, I need you. And without any kind of what, where, when, how, or who, or anything, I'm out of here and I'm on my way. So look around you in this group. Just look a little bit. It hadn't been but about two or three weeks ago I walked over to Albert at the end of Sunday school and said, I need you. He said, we're out here. So look around, and when you say, I need you, this is the group. Have a great week.